This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. This is C. Montgomery Burns speaking. I know you're a layabout and have no job because you're listening to 3RRR. Now get to work. Find something to do. Yes, this is Zero G. Thank you very much to the Room With A View team for um, taking us from 12 o'clock. I am Megan McHugh and Rob Jan is en route, so she'll be here very soon. Any time is a good time to subscribe to Triple R. Not only are subscribers filled with the warm and fuzzies by being part of the Triple R family and rocking the bumper sticker, a great bunch of benefits are available too. Triple R subscribers can win tickets to Triple R presented gigs, albums of the week, books, T-shirts and other prizes given away on air and online every day. Triple R also hosts weekly subscriber events, including exclusive live broadcasts in the performance space and subscriber film screenings. Subscribers receive our magazine The Trip three times a year and can access our full range of audio archives via the Triple R website. And subscribers can flash their card to receive discounts all around Melbourne. For the full list of subscriber benefits and more information on subscribing, head to rrr.org.au. Subscribe for your listening pleasure. Triple R. In the marmalade forest. Forest. Between the make-believe trees. G'day, I'm Brett McKenzie. I played an elf in Lord of the Rings. My dad played Ellen Dole the King. You're listening to Zero G on 3 Triple R. And I have one thing to say. My name is Figwood the Elf. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Rob Jan here. What was that? Megan? Oh, yes. So we listened to John Mouse from Screen Memories, Teenage Witch. Is it actually a film as well? Or is it Teenage War- Werewolf? There may be a Teenage Witch film. I'm sure there's so many series. There's um, Teen Witch. The Craft and oh, yes. yeah, all those shows. Charmed. Charmed. I so love Charmed back in the day. All right. Uh, okay. Now, our title for today is Reign of Terror, mm. as in rain from up in the sky. And actually, it would work either way, wouldn't it? Really? <laughs> and our podcast title is Rampodge. Had to work for that one. I'm very intrigued to hear your <laughs> thoughts on the Rock's latest film. I really like the Rock. Yeah, I, I, what was the other film we saw recently? Oh, Jumanji. Mm. He was good in that too. I really think he has a fine sense of comedic timing. Yeah, and a good sense of his brand. And I think he's, I just, I don't know. I wonder if, um, uh, what's his name from um, Guardians of the Galaxy, the wrestler? Mm. Uh, Batista? Yes, Dave. Dave, if he's going to go as far as The Rock. I personally think so because I think he's tried tried his hand at some more dramatic roles and things as well, but I think he knows kind of his niche. But I think he's probably more interested in being more of a serious character actor from what I understand. That's, this is kind of a segue. Since we just mentioned a Marvel Universe character. <laughs> it's what, like two minutes, two minutes in. Staggering coincidence. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually feeling like the cinematic year is over. <laughs> over? Yeah, it's like um, I did it all on April the 25th. I've seen Avengers Infinity War. Mm. That's it. What about Solo? 
Thanos solo. No, no. So, so you mean Marvel Cinematic Year? Oh, no, the cinematic year in general. There's nothing because else. <laughs> you're not interested in anything else. Because I, oh, I'm interested, but I'm not excited. I'm not emotionally engaged. I know yeah. I can't be. This is like you know, 19 films. How can you possibly rev up to that? I mean, I guess it's it's a matter of something different. There's Dead- plenty of other different things that I'm excited about. Deadpool two will be a hoot. Yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp will be Ant-Man fun. And the Wasp. Aquaman will be Aquaman. I have no idea what it, I don't know what to expect actually. <laughs> Talking to fish. Um but I think <laughs> you know, we've still got plenty to look yeah, forward so I'm, to. Yeah, I'm only I'm only just feeling it's 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 like post convention depression. Yeah. You know, you come out of that and you're thinking, well, what next? Wow. Because you spent a lot of time building up I to did. To this. Yeah. Anyway, so what I've been doing is reading some Marvel comics instead. (laughs) (laughs) Branching out. (laughs) Branching out there. Now, you may know that they've reset their numeration system, which is to say they've gone back to the old ones. Mm. They do this periodically. So the comic I have before me is The Invincible Iron Man number 599. Right. That's pretty cool. They they just hit uh, number 700 in the Captain America comics too. Gracious. So they're really out there. This is um, by Brian Michael Bendis, who's the writer, and the artists are Stefano Caselli and Alex Malev, with the colour artists being Matt Gracia and also Alex Malev again. Now, this is wrapping up the, um, the Brian Michael Bendis story arcs in the um, Marvel Universe, as well as going off to... He's going off to um, DC. Oh. He's one of the major talents in Marvel as well. So... I couldn't say it's as um, mind-bending for me as uh, Jack Kirby going from Marvel to mm. DC back in the last century in 1970s. I know him as a DC person. I didn't realise yeah. that he... Well, obviously I do now because of um, Thor, Ragnarok and whatnot. Ah, yes. But I was mainly familiar... Because he did Superman stuff. Didn't he? Um, yeah, kind of. He did um, Jimmy Olsen. This is Jack Kirby. Yeah. Jimmy Olsen and his pal. Yeah. Which is a Superman comic. Um, but, yeah, I'd always essentially. thought of him as a DC guy. Anyway. And he did a lot of um, really odd spin off sort of stuff like uh, Commandy, um, Last Boy on Earth, and uh, Etrigan, the Demon. Oh, there's just so many ones for DC mm. that he did. And he's in, 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 into that whole um, – he created that whole – what they call the fourth world for yeah. DC with yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of, of comics. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that was – you've, you've derailed me with DC. Sorry. Actually, speaking, <laughs> speaking of DC, well, since I'm, I'm there, SBS Viceland on Friday nights at 7.30 is replaying the 1960s Batman series. Oh, cool. Because this came out on DVD not so long ago, so mm. it's all, all sort of fixed up and ready to Sorry, go. Sorry, what's a DVD? Just kidding. <laughs> Or is it Blu-ray? It would have been Blu-ray probably, I yeah. think. Uh, anyway, they've... Um, no, no, no. It actually took a long time to get it onto um, DVD mm. to start with. But yeah, because I don't think I've ever really seen it available like that no, before. No, yeah. no. Not even... No, not, not not recently at all. So here it is on SBS Viceland. So if you have never seen the original... Mm. Well, maybe not the original Batman series because it's an animated series and it's movie serial and... All There's lots stuff. of bits and pieces. Yeah. Well, this is this is your chance. This is actually the Batman that I grew up with. <laughs> the, 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 the camp the Adam West. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think people did... Um, 
I mean, because of Adam West being in Family Guy and things like that, I think people became more familiar with who he was and what he was in. And so I think there was kind of a resurgence of people appreciating that Batman. Um, Back to Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) You're derailing yourself here. I am, I am actually. No, you know, we went with it. Um, The state of the Stark, Mm -hmm. basically, in the comic books, not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. very distinct. And I'm not going to go there. Um, This is what's (laughs) going on in the comics. Uh, They've got a, a story arc called The Search for Tony Stark. Now, you may remember that Tony's been in a coma, essentially, Mm -hmm. for a very long time, like a year or so in the comic books. Uh, He was punched by Captain Marvel. (laughs) Good on you, Carol. (laughs) And uh, has been stuck in a stasis pod aboard a helicarrier or in a facility, depends on which... um, which um, comic book you're going with. But uh, the body disappeared recently. And so the search for Tony Stark has been on. What they've actually done is they've kind of splintered it all over the place. Um, Pepper Potts, uh, the Artificial Intelligence Friday, uh, Riri Williams, the young genius who is Ironheart, um, Tony's mother, a rock star. <laughs> They've all been running Stark Industries along with a very recalcitrant board of directors. Meanwhile, Dr. Doom and Tony Stark's ex-girlfriend, Amara, are having a baby. <laughs> and Dr. Doom is still wearing an Iron Man suit as penance for his evil deeds. How does that Come about, well, it's all to do with Battleworld and a previous big Marvel crossover story arc. At the same time, the Punisher is still using the war machine armour to punish a rogue European nation at the behest of uh, Nick Fury Jr. That's the Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury. Now, there are rumours that the War Machine's original pilot, James Rhodes, who's dead at the moment in the comics, may be back from the grave. Yes, there's dead and then there's Marvel dead. It's uh, (laughs) one of those things that happens in the comics quite a bit. Uh, Tony, and that's T-O-N-I, Ho In Sen, is the daughter of the scientist who helped create Iron Man back in that cave in Afghanistan or Vietnam or however far back you want to go. Uh, Now, Tony is a genius too and she has her own Iron Patriot armour. So there's all these armoured people been swanning around, sort of filling in, for standing in for Iron Man. Oh, and Pepper Potts, of course, has her own rescue armour. So, you know, it's, it's all coming down to Tony coming back. And the cover of this comic has Mr. Stark there with his visor raised saying, did you miss me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's a really quite a bit of a shocker because he hasn't got his moustache mm. or his eyebrows or his hair, basically. Um, he's like a newborn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this is all very well because they're all setting it up for a whole new creative team. Yeah. And we'll see how we go with that when it comes about. Um, uh, they're still doing the um, the whole return of Tony Stark thing. So this this coincides with the um, the Avengers movie. So you know they usually use those movies to get a, a lift out of their comic sales. And fair enough too. You also find. Um, They've bought them all back in the Avengers comic book. This is another reboot, issue one, and they're concentrating on three of the founding members to start with, Mm. which is Iron Man, 
Captain America and Thor. Now, all of these characters have been through this long trail in the comics of not being the characters that they were. Yeah. <laughs> or being evil like Cap, bad Captain America, Hydra Cap. And, you know, and they're, they're all sitting in a, a, a restaurant just sort of <laughs> saying, you know, we should really get the band back together again. <laughs> and they have to for the story in here, which is by... Um, uh, Jason Aaron, Ed McGuinness, Mark Morales and David Curiel uh, because what they're actually doing, the Celestials, um, the mighty ancient race of godlike giants uh, who have been judging the earth ever since Jack Kirby invented them, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, have descended to the earth in the what the, that seems to be the fourth host of celestials to visit the Earth. These are basically like bigger than Galactus. They're a th- they can be a thousand feet high. You know, they're massive, huge aliens in uh, in armor or something. We don't know for sure exactly. Um, you've seen a celestial or two in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. We saw the skull of one floating in space being mined for its juicy bits. Mm-hmm. And also, um, Ego, the living planet, was kind of a ah. celestial as well. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> so, okay, um, it's a big, big story arc and it looks like it's going to drag in a lot of the different Marvel characters. And once again, you can see the hand of Jack Kirby in the artwork in this. Quite literally, actually. It's a, a giant celestial hand reaching in out of um, hyperspace for a wormhole. And uh, one last one. This is just a personal... Well, they're all personal comic book favourites. Uh, Marvel Rising is doing its... Um, it's kind of a not a reboot exactly, but they're they're putting together fairly simple, not really huge story arcs, tales, quite literally in this case, teaming up some of the younger characters in the series. Uh-huh. In this case, this is the one I've been waiting for for a long time: Squirrel Girl uh. and Ms. Marvel. Oh, nice! Yeah, so it's so cute. <laughs> So uh, they end up in a, um, a Stark Industries uh, Institute for Technical Excellence, the Howard Anthony Stark special program for, for gifted students. And um, they're doing a, a big uh, stem cell – sorry, not stem cell – stem. I keep forgetting that. Stem, stem cell. Well, you know, stem, stem student Five. research. Yeah, sure. yeah you know, yeah, the yeah. whole core sort of uh, learning things. <laughs> Adventure and um, aim the uh, advanced idea mechanics guys with the beekeeper helmets attack. This is not good aim. There's a bad aim and a good aim, and it's all very complicated. But this is uh, by Grayson Fahler and Rosenberg, uh, and it's some lovely artwork in this one actually. Um, just the sort of uh, not lightweight but um, very clean line kind of dynamic artwork you want mm. for a, a more juvenile comic. I mean, what can you say? There's a, a panel where. Um, Squirrel girl comes flying in over the head of the goon saying, to me, my squirrel army. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Actually, I do know why I like Squirrel Girl. I, um, I, I dipped into the comic books because she was uh, first appeared in an Iron Man story. Ah. And there was a kind of a, a link there and Tony Stark's been texting her, SMS texting her. Mm in the front of every Squirrel Girl comic and she's stolen Tony's armour and used it to fly to the moon. So there's all these links that yeah. kept pulling me in. and Endeared the, you to her. Yeah. And the um, 
and the meta story arcs are good and she's a fourth wall breaker too. Mm. So she leaps out off the pages in various ways that remind me of the, the best days of the She-Hulk comic. Yeah. So yeah. it's just cool. It was dopey and cool. but And there should be an action figure, but there isn't yet. Okay. Uh, and that's about it for that for now. Hey, this is Craig Charles, Dave Lister from Red Dwarf. You're listening to the London Jet Zero G football show. And what? Zero G? Science fiction show? Oh, smeg. <laughs> uh, okay, now uh, we're looking at a variety of things here today. We've talked about some comic books. Um, I wanted to mention um, the passing of a director of actually some some note in our uh, genre, and that's um, Michael Anderson, who was born on the 30th of January in 1920 and passed away on the 25th of April. An English film director and actor, uh, in a very minor way in the actor sense, who has lived in the United Kingdom and the United States and also in Canada, of which he was a citizen um, in the last phase of his life. Uh, He was uh, actually born in London into a theatrical family and began his career in films as an office boy at Elstree Studios, that classic sort of work your way up. Uh, he served in the Royal Signal Corps in World War II, which is where he met Petty Ustinov, and he worked with him on his films after uh, after Ustinov actually requested um, his uh, presence on the set. Um, films that he directed, Mr. Anson, were The, the Dam Busters in 1955, which is a great old classic. Um, he did the first movie adaptation of George Orwell's 1984 in 1956. Uh, the, the classic uh, Talk to the Animals movie, Around the World in 80 Days. No, sorry, it's not Talk to the Animals. Um, that's Dr. Doolittle. That's on my head at the moment um, because of uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, starring in it. Around the World in 80 Days, a Jules Verne story, of course, in 1956. Uh, same year, actually, so he was, like, doing quite a bit then. <laughs> Um, there's a, a, a Alfred Hitchcock film that he was tapped instead of Hitchcock. Uh, I think Hitchcock went on to do North by Northwest or something at that time. The Wreck of the Mary Deer in 59 with Gary Cooper and Charlton Heston. So he's like into a Hollywood phase then. Uh, All the Fine Young cannibal, Cannibals in 60 with Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner. And he also did um, a film that you'd hardly ever see and hardly anyone's ever heard of. It's a science fiction superhero movie from 1975 called Doc Savage, The Man of Bronze with uh, Ron Eli from the old Tarzan series playing the title role. Uh, George Powell was the uh, producer of that one. And then, of course, in 1976, probably the film that most science fiction fans remember him for of that particular vintage, uh, Logan's Run. Adaptation of um, a couple of uh, novels that has uh, had quite a bit of resonance and, and a pretty good soundtrack, of which I will play you a, a piece in a minute. Uh, and Orca, <laughs> the uh, Jaws for Killer Whales in 1977. Mm-hmm. Gracious. Oh, I can remember actually seeing that at the cinema. Oh, Star Wars year too, by the way, 77. <laughs> uh, a ghost film in 78 called Dominique. And later on, he was mostly doing uh, made-for-television miniseries, uh, including The Martian Chronicles in 1980, um, Young Catherine in 1991 with one of the Red Graves, and uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea in 1997, as well as doing an adaptation of a John Varley novel called Millennium 
which didn't work out quite so well, but um, it was actually a really good story that we're worth repeating in a science fiction sense. Um, uh, a thousand years from now, the Earth is depleted of resources, suffering massive pollution. Um, uh, the population is actually dying out. So they've invented a time machine, <laughs> as you will <laughs> That'll do. That'll solve it. Well, the, what they're doing is they, uh, they come back in time and they kidnap people from disasters who are about to die and take them into the future to use them as uh, to help repopulate the world. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of cl- clever. Yeah. So they, what they actually do is they, um, they come for a time uh, aboard an airliner that's about to crash and replace the living people with um, uh, cloned sort of um, body doubles. So <sighs> they'll be in the wreck. It's a it's a clever it's, idea. Yeah, it sounds better. It reads better in the uh, in the story than it does plays in the film. Um, actually, uh, Michael Anderson's children and stepchildren and uh, grandchildren are all actors and producers and so on as well. So he's continued that tradition of uh, being a, a you know theatrical family with his offspring too. Um, so yeah, I, it was quite sad to hear of his, his passing. A lot of those films meant a lot to me at the time. When he said um, he talked about uh, his uh, work directing science fiction films, to quote him, "I'm totally fascinated by it, and whenever I'm asked to do science fiction, I jump at it because it's something I really enjoy. You can use your own imagination more. It opens up visual aspects that are taboo, or you don't get the opportunity to do in normal films." Where do you get the opportunity of doing a time tank or a holograph or somebody walking from the past into the future or the present? It's a fascinating spirit, something we all dream about. So Michael Anderson passed away now this year. Okay. Now, uh, I have been watching Netflix. Yes. Um, Took a punt on a new series called The Rain. Yes, it's been promoting that to me, so I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on that one. Oh, yes, they send you emails, don't they? Well, no, they sort of, they always put, they know what I like because, you know, algorithms are always working away in the background. And so they show me um, slides of things they think I'll like. Uh, yes, so it's that's how I found alley. about this. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, actually, to just to divert slightly, uh, the uh, Netflix is being um, not targeted, but uh, uh, the federal government is doing some kind of review mm. into Australian content on streaming services, oh. um, whether or not we the uh, there should be rules for Australian content, local content here. Okay, nobody else has managed to do that. Uh, for Netflix anywhere else no. in the world. So if we did, we'd be the first. Why? They, basically, the government wants us to make content, mm. uh, Netflix to commission content in a Australia. A certain amount of local content. Yeah. That's a, I think that's... It's tricky because it is a global company uh, in, in, in a very strong sense. Like, look, this is a Danish show, The, mm. the, the Rain. And I think, I mean, they do do a lot. I know... The whole thing with Netflix is they'll often do things in different countries and then they'll roll it out across the whole yeah. platform. So, you know, I've watched this Japanese reality TV show, which you can get there. And, you know, we often get Danish things or Spanish things that they've done mm. for those countries, but they then either dub or whatever. Well, the weird weird thing is that there's actually more Australian content on US Netflix mm. than they show here That's on Australian Netflix. I know. And, I mean, the thing is I know Stan commissions a lot of local content. Mm. They do a lot of um, 
So, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, actually. There actually are a couple of Australian ones being commissioned uh, at the moment, but I think that might just be in the mm. normal course of events. Yeah, yeah. I can see arguments for both sides of that. Now, I'd be curious to see how it plays out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to the Danish web series, The Rain. It was a web series mm. initially. Yeah. It's, uh, it's created by three people, uh, Janik Tay Mossholt, who did a, a Danish show called The War Game in mm-hmm. 2017. And you'll see a trend here as I tell you about these people. The other creator is Esben Toft Jakobsen, who did a, uh, a show called Night of the Dead. Uh, Christian Potolivo did one called Danny's Doomsday. <laughs> Do you sense some kind of yeah. a, <laughs> a theme here? <laughs> uh, essentially, in the rain, a family heads to a bunker when their father and mother hear that a virus transmitted by rain mm. is beginning to devastate Denmark. Uh, they all swan off to the bunker. So is this like the fog or the mist or... But, but the no. rain? No. Interesting. No. All right. Two children end up being left alone in the bunker together after various things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young boy and his teenage sister. Mm-hmm. And they basically emerge six years later. Oh, so it really isn't the mist or the fog. No. It's just, that's just a means to an end, the now, whole rain thing. At this stage, I am committed to humming and uh, toddling through the following lyrics. Unbreakable, they alive, damn it. It's a miracle. Unbreakable, they alive, damn it. Because this is so Kimmy Schmidt. Is it? <laughs> just, the, just the idea of that. There are eight episodes of it. And it's dubbed, as you guessed. Yes. And I find just the dubbing in this just a little bit off-putting. Can you um? Can you put subtitles, subtitles on, it? on it? You know what? I don't know. I prefer that because it doesn't. Sure. It never matches up. Sometimes you know, there's it does a lot if of shows really, really cleanly done. Yeah, but I know like there's uh, this show called Cable Girls, and someone's like, "Oh, why does it always look like they're speaking really oddly?" And then someone's like, "Well, no, it's actually it's dubbed. It's like yeah. a Spanish show." I, I'd always prefer subtitles, but you know what? I actually don't know the, the answer to that. Can you switch on subtitles for Netflix? Let me look. Oh, look. Yeah, find that out. <laughs> Sikkim Cyberscoop. It would be whether <laughs> they've decided to release. It because they obviously they have the original audio. It's whether they've decided to get it subtitled yeah. or they've put the money into dubbing it. But why? Why yeah. would you? Yeah. I suppose. I mean, something. Interesting question. People don't like to read while they're watching stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I do both. It's in the rain. A virus that kills people. The father said he's the only one who thinks he can fix it. So right away we're in at the top level of some kind of conspiracy because the bunker turns out to be very well equipped. Equipped indeed. It's a, a, a bunker that's owned by a company called Apollon and they inevitably find out that the boy in the bunker is the key to perhaps solving the problem. There's only one, one difficulty. When they get out of the bunker, civilization has been pretty much destroyed. Um, there's a beautiful shot where the, the girl out of the bunker, she leaves the bunker the first time, or actually at night, and she's in the woods outside and a deer comes up to her with no, showing no fear. Uh, and that's actually one of the best moments in the show, I thought. There are lots of um, point of view shots of rain falling <laughs> and uh, very ominously. Uh, we find out that there is a bunker system as part of the, uh, the problem that uh, led to all of this. And um, 
they will run into the inevitable groups of armed and hungry survivors. Uh, and I should tell you, it doesn't seem to be a zombie show at this, this moment in time. The virus just pretty much puts you down. Uh, seems to be uh, if you, some kind of um, hyper um, allergenic thing. It just um, hits you, just destroys your, your system totally, very quickly. Um, I kind of like this show. I, I'm a little ambivalent about it. Uh, the dubbing did actually get in the way of me enjoying it as much as I might have. Update. Mm-hmm. Update straight from the web. Yes. So uh, it's very interesting because this is something apparently that's been talked about a lot. Yes, you can. There are dubbed versions and there are subtitled versions of all the Netflix originals that are international. Oh. So, but the default setting is that it goes straight to the dubbed version instead of showing you the subtitled one as a default. So, and it's because dubbing wasn't really a thing, but Netflix has decided that that's what they want to do because they find that it's more palatable for their international viewers mm-hmm. to receive it in dubbed in their own language. Okay. Um, for th- there's a show called Dark. Have you watched that on there? It's no, German. I want to watch it. Um, <laughs> but they've said that they the Netflix data says that nine out of ten people who watch that series were living outside of Germany. Okay. So they've, they're encouraged by this whole rolling it out cross-language, but... Um, yeah, so a lot of people in English-speaking countries will watch the dub of things, so they've got their own data on that. But it could have something to do with people not knowing how to get the subtitles. That's my opinion. So how do you get it? So if you go to the dialogue icon, so in the little bar where it's got, you know, play and the details of the show, if you yeah. go down there, there's a little um, the dialogue icon. Uh-huh. So you click that and then you'll see the different options like closed captioning and things like that. So you can change the preferred language and then it will have... Um, Whatever language. So you want. yeah, it'll come up with the okay. option. So you'll be able to see it. Learn something. The other interesting thing too is that a lot of the people in the rain do speak English, and so they've noted that um, a lot of the dub for that show is done by those original actors <laughs> in English. So that's that's interesting. But, but not I all think of it. Maybe that's the problem. It is interesting, I think, because obviously, yeah, this is something that they're really doing. They're rolling out all their originals everywhere. Mm. So anyway, a thank you to the radiotimes.com where I just received <laughs> some of that information. But Awesome. So there you go. You can access both. You've just got to do a little bit of clicking around. Okay. So anyway, sorry. Well, you've saved me because I'm like four episodes in and uh, um, now I'll just click over mm. to the other one. As And look, as someone who was like weaned on anime, I always prefer yeah, you don't sure. really realize but now that i know i very much prefer subtitled in original language but they just always used to serve us up with a dub because sometimes i'm working on other things while i'm watching stuff yeah yeah <laughs> i um i i like having it in english because i can't read the subtitles and do anything else this is this is boring segue i've started my winter knitting project very hard to watch <laughs> subtitled shows while knitting because I can't read and knit at the same oh. time. So I understand what you're saying. And add on to that, uh, it's impossible, I find, to eat and watch 3D at home. Yeah, right, because you've got to... <laughs> I, end up, I end up shoving forks up my nostrils and stuff. <laughs> it's a hazard. Yeah. I think the thing is the some of these shows I would probably not multitask. Yes. I only multitask for certain things. So. Yeah. Well, I was multitasking for this, but it was very, very doing zero G at the same mm. time. Was multitasking, so it's the same thing. I'm, yeah. I'm writing notes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, the 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 two main characters, the boy and the girl, are quite well drawn. Um, the teenager's been left in charge of the boy, and they've all grown up. They're both both 
grown up, grown up in the bunker. Um, they've they are very attached to each other, and she is determined to keep him alive at all costs. Uh, they do run into other people. There's a soldier called Martin who um, uh, is carrying a, a heavy burden of guilt for letting a uh, an infected person through a barricade and subsequently losing all of his squad mates to the infection. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually just fairly efficient, but he's kind of falling for the sister, you know. And um, there's a, a few other survivors as well. One of the survivors is a real pain. Every time the soldier doesn't shoot, somebody he yells at him why didn't you shoot him and the first couple of times you're going yeah yeah but after about the third episode and he just keeps saying this you just think oh dude (laughs) (laughs) lower the aggression factor um i think it's quite realistically done the uh apocalyptic procedural is 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 fairly well rolled out you've got to be able to do that now though as a base if you're going to even dabble in that dip a toe you yeah. need to be pretty good at the basics. It's funny you should say that because the uh, the virus um, lingers in in, uh, in the water table. <laughs> oh, so if you dip your toe into the wrong pond, you're gone. Oh dear. You know, so <laughs> you actually you actually manage to uh, pin the nail, put it put it right, put the tail on the donkey right away. <laughs> Just pin the nail on the donkey. That's a game. The nail on the toe. <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's called in the rain. I don't think it's the best post-apocalyptic show. The rain, just the rain. Just the rain, yeah. Would I recommend this show? Well, it's, you know, that that, that trap, there's eight episodes. Ah. Not that much. No. Um, There may be another season or anything. There's a a meta arc as they try to get some place to do something. Mm, Um, Yeah. uh, there's there's a, there's another group involved, and you don't know what they're doing. Uh, there may be other survivors. It's mm. it's unfolding at a nice pace too. Okay. I, I thought I'm getting something out of each episode. Well, that's good. So yeah, you know, you, you give it a try. If you can't stand it, well, you don't have to keep watching it. <laughs> good motto. <laughs> there you go. Oh, they could use umbrellas too. Really, could use umbrellas. <laughs> wow! Hey, space buddies. I'm Danny John Jules. I play the cat on Red Dwarf. And I gotta tell you that listening to Zero G is fashionable as wearing knee length socks with thongs. Zero G, industrial strength sci fi pum pum on three triple R. And we're coming up to two o'clock. Mm, it's really quick. quickly. It's Rampage Through. Um, and I did want to mention this film. I might unpack it a bit next week. I keep putting it off. It'll probably be off the screen. It's um, the the new uh, Dwayne Johnson vehicle, Rampage. Uh, it's by directed by Brad Payton, uh, based on a loosely based on a video game series from Midway Games from 1986 till the present. Mm-hmm. Um, and their basic change is. Well, uh, the essentially the character is uh, uh, the one that um, Dwayne Johnston plays is a a primatologist working in a zoo. His best mate is a giant, fairly large actually, um, albino gorilla called George, who's actually a bit of a, a character, uh, which helps but not so much that he's able to thwart being contaminated by some debris from a space experiment gone very wrong. No. No, this is the rampage part of it. You know he's going to go ginormous and go on a rampage. 
there are also other creatures that have also been affected by this. And it's actually a good little kaiju film. Um, giant monsters converge on the city of... Well, you pick one, really. It doesn't really make any difference. Chicago, I think, in this case. Uh, now, Brad Payton, the director of this, also directed Dwayne in San Andreas and in uh, Journey to the Mysterious Island. So he's actually worked with him quite a bit and he, he knows what he's doing. Um, the film is genuinely exciting, a kind of moving in parts and, yeah, you know, a keiju film with The Rock. Yatta! Wow. It's so great. Uh, the other actors in it, uh, Naomi Harris plays a doctor. Uh, we've seen her as the voodoo witch in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and also uh, Money Penny in the James Bond films. And um, a number of other people in here, including Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan, ah. Negan from <laughs> The Walking Dead, who actually gets in close proximity to a baseball bat in this but doesn't actually use it. Well, when I say close, it's about 30 floors straight up in a skyscraper. But you know. um, So, yeah, I actually can recommend this as, as a neat little uh, monster film. Yeah. Um, on a large scale. Special effects are okay. Um, I just had fun watching it. So, yeah. That's you know, all you need. Yeah, basically. So check out uh, Rampage. <laughs> I, don't, I actually want to go and play the video game now, which is kind of different to the movie, mm. which could cause you problems as an adaptation. What would that have been on? Like what? Oh, how, uh, different platforms. How to access? Uh, <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah, well, like um, various consoles. So, you know, you'd have to go um, and check it out now on... Uh, because on it's still the, been played. An it's emulator of some No, no, type. it's actually been uh, updated. Oh, they've redone it. it. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> it, it, but in that it's uh, humans turning into monsters and not monsters just getting bigger. Right. Or creatures. It's quite a difference. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's it for Zero G. Mm. Joe Brunetic coming up next with Astral Glamour. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.